Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading John chapter 6, verses 41 through 71. It says this, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. Whew, okay. Well, this is a heavy text, isn't it? The You know, chapter six started out not too heavy. I mean, we had the feeding of the 5,000 and then uh, Jesus going across the lake, walking on water uh, during the storm, but Man, since then, the text has really taken a more serious, uh, heavy kind of tone. And it has culminated here with Jesus talking nonstop about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So people are having a really hard time with that, right? Did you have a hard time listening to that term, the phrase, eat my flesh and drink my blood? Because I had a hard time reading it so many times. Uh, I kept just waiting for Jesus to break the tension a little bit. 
like when things get too serious, I'm usually the one to want to crack a joke to lighten the mood. I can only take so much heaviness without some kind of a break. So <laughs> I keep waiting for Jesus to say, guys, chill. It's just a metaphor, right? Like I'm, I'm the bread of life. Just like in the Old Testament, there was manna to eat, but now you have my teachings. See, man doesn't live by bread alone, right? Remember, but only by God's word. But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, no, no, you have to eat my flesh. And people are like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. And so so Jesus follows up with, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have life with me. I mean, you can eat bread if you want to, but eventually you'll just die anyways. The only way to escape the curse of death is to eat the bread of life, which is my body. I'll I'll just point out that uh, Jesus later on would gather his disciples around a final meal before he died. And when he does that, he will take a loaf of bread and he will break it and he will say, this is my body. And he will take a cup and he'll pour it out and he'll say, this is my blood. There is a really intense kind of symbolism here that goes back to this teaching from John 6, which itself rests on this teaching from the Old Testament. Remember when the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness after they've been brought out of Egypt, but before they get to the promised land, God feeds them with manna from heaven. He gives them bread, so to speak, to eat. But Jesus points out here, you know, they all died anyway. The bread only prolonged their death. It only put it off a little bit longer. It didn't actually give them life. In order to do that, something better would be needed. And so Jesus had come not just to bring the bread of life, but to actually be the bread of life. I think that's why he insisted so strongly on it. No, no, no. I'm not giving you the bread. I am the bread. I don't just bring the source of life. I am the source of life. And that is the life that Jesus lived out for us, not just to teach us how to live so that we would just be able to uh, listen to his teaching and take notes and, and fill in the blanks and write down the best sayings and, and, and live by those words in order to be made perfect. No, that doesn't work. He said it doesn't rely on human effort, right? M mere religion doesn't work. Religion that's based on a system of do's and don'ts, keeping track of right and wrongs and trying to just do the right things, that's never going to save you. What will save you is Jesus. Because Jesus let his own life be broken. He died on a cross for you and me. That's what sets us free. Not because of our effort. And because his body was broken, well, now we can actually be free to follow him. It's an invitation that he offers to look past the stuff that he gives and to look to Jesus himself. And that invitation proved to be too hard for many of Jesus' followers because it says at this point, many of them turned away and quit following him. It, like, it was fun following Jesus when he was sticking it to the religious leaders, you know, and, and he was doing sweet miracles like distributing food and wine. But now this is something different. This is getting difficult and people simply left. The thing is, 
everybody wants to follow Jesus when he's handing out blessings, right? But it's so much harder when he challenges us to do the hard stuff, isn't it? There's two themes that uh, we've seen so far through the book of John. Whether you've recognized them or not, um, around here we like to use uh, the a couple. Of, we have a couple of specific terms that we like to use to describe uh, some of the things that Jesus has been doing so far in the book of John, and those terms are invitation and challenge. These are two themes that you can see uh, Jesus doing throughout his ministry. Invitation is the "come along with me" message, right? And we've seen Jesus doing that. Uh, invitation is just wanting to be together. It's this message of grace. It's forgiveness. It's the, hey, it doesn't matter who you are and where you've come from. Let's do this life together. But then there's also challenge. And, and challenge is the message that says, you know what? You can do better. It's this truth that keeps us from getting stuck in our same old patterns. And it pushes us to go further beyond where we are comfortable. And it's the hard truths that Jesus also teaches. And so just to just to give you an example, we've made it to the end of chapter six here today. This we we finished chapter six. Um, so in the first six chapters of John, how have we seen this play out if we look for these two themes? Well, uh chapter one, Jesus says to Peter, follow me, right? That's a that's an invitation, if ever I've heard one. But then he challenges Peter by changing his name and 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 changing what Peter is going to be about and who he is and pushes him to be more than he already was. In chapter two, Jesus makes wine for a wedding. That is an invitation to people to be part of the festivities. And yet the very next thing that we read about, he's turning over tables in the temple, kicking people out for not upholding uh, the ideals of the temple, which seems like a pretty high challenge thing to do to me. In chapter 3, he invited Nicodemus to consider earthly things like birth and wind, and then he challenges him to consider the spiritual realities that he's pointing to. In chapter 4, he invites the woman at the well into a conversation, and then he challenges her to go call her husband when he knows full well that she doesn't have one. And that's going to be a harder conversation. In chapter 5, Jesus invites a paralyzed man to walk again. And then the next thing you know, he's telling him, hey, stop sinning before something worse happens. And right here in chapter 6, Jesus invites 5,000 of his closest friends to dinner, providing food for everyone. And he says, hey, by the way, this eating and drinking are all well and good. But if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in the kingdom of heaven. Everybody loves the invitation. Everybody loves the wedding feast and the party and the food and the miracles, right? But when Jesus begins to challenge, well, that's when they start to turn around and go the other direction. But the thing is, invitation and challenge are not opposites. One doesn't cancel the other out like a tug of war. You know, they're not pulling against each other. Invitation makes us more secure in who we are, and at the same time, challenge pushes us to achieve more than we ever thought possible. We actually need both. When Jesus was doing a lot of invitation kind of stuff, was doing a lot of feel-good kind of stuff, you know, that's when the crowds really kind of gathered around him. The easiest way to build a big church is to do a lot of invitation. And, and I, I don't say that like it's a bad thing. 
you can build large gatherings on feeding people, encouraging people, telling them, you know, positive, uplifting kinds of things. That's a great way to build a crowd. But sometimes, sometimes the temptation is to try to protect the size of your crowd by not challenging people. Because challenge is what drives us to ask the hard questions like, you know, am I following after blessings? Am I following the good stuff? Am I just seeking the miracle? Or am I seeking Jesus himself? Is it the good stuff that Jesus offers that I'm after? Or am I following Jesus through the good times and the not so good times? What is my real motivation? Challenge is hard. And when challenge comes, that's when people start to turn back. You and I are invited to follow Jesus, who will sometimes invite us. He will sometimes challenge us. And the trick is to recognize that we need both of those things, not just to follow when it feels good and then ignore the things that are too hard. So how about you? I wonder if this is kind of a, a progression for us that, that as we see Jesus uh, leading people and, and inviting people to join him and then challenging them uh, to step out in faith more, if, if Jesus invites us into greater things with himself and then turns around and challenges us to, to even do more with it. Where have you seen that in your life? And I wonder if you're stuck, uh, is it one of those two areas that you're getting stuck in? So is there something, these are, these are my two questions that, that I want to leave us with. Is there somewhere that Jesus has invited you to that you're holding out, you don't want to go, or you're not sure? You're not sure if you are worthy of that. You're not sure maybe he's got the wrong person, but but Jesus has invited you to something and you're, you're, you're not sure you want to jump into that. That's one question. Is there something Jesus has invited you to, but you're holding out? And the second question is this. Is there something that Jesus has challenged you to and you are saying no? Is there a step that he's challenging you to take and, and you're just not sure? It's hard. It's going to be hard. And there's no guarantees. Is there something that that Jesus has challenged you to grow in and you're holding out? Where has Jesus invited you? Where is Jesus challenging you? And what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. God, my prayer is that we would follow. That's it. We would follow. The, um, through blessings, through miracles, through good things and encouragement, um, we would follow you through those times, and then we would also follow you through the times that are hard. And, and you, you teach us hard things sometimes. Sometimes you teach us hard things about ourselves, and they're hard to hear. Um, God, I pray we would follow you through that. So that's it. That's my prayer for today. Help us to see where you're inviting us, where you're challenging us, and help us to follow and help us to do it all in your name. Amen. Have a great day.